Is it rude to talk whilst eating something, right? Obviously, in person, if you're talking whilst you're eating, it's kind of rude, right? It's kind of disgusting. But you're not seeing me chew, so is it rude if I do that? Either way, I do not really care. Now that you're listening to me, you are consenting to me eating my lovely little cheesecake pots, uh, my little treats at the end of the day, whilst I do this talking stuff, okay? You're consenting, therefore it's not rude. Um, if you don't consent, stop listening. Thank you. All right, so I feel like politics is one of those things that haunts me at night. It's one of the, I, I never stop thinking about it, even in my dreams, all right? I, do, I have this thing where to go to bed, I need to dream up a scenario. But I'm not like a quirky girl dreaming up some scenario with, you know, a lover or whatever like that. No, no, no. My scenario is one that I've had in my head since about the age of seven, right? And that scenario is this fantasy, not even fantasy, like it's a... It's a world that I've built in my head based on humanity in about 400 years time after they discovered faster than light travel and the politics that has occurred since then. And Earth has its own government, right? And it's kind of like a confederacy thing, like the United Nations has evolved into something else. But then there are what were initially colonies that have now become independent sort of confederations of different solar systems, right? That's... That's what I dream about in my head. And I dream about the war. I dream about the politics. I dream about the states and how each state is crafted. Because one of the states is like um, this super socialist authoritarian regime that like, you know, is otherwise, other than being authoritarian, is doing pretty good for itself. Like undeniably, they're quite successful and they're doing well. And then there's another one. It's like, you know, the enemies. Like they, They've got a cold war going on at the moment. Now, they've been in war before. That's why there are two states. You see one state, but then there was like a liberation war. And this is like the more further away system. This is, this is like a, a confederated, still socialist, but it's a confederacy. It's not as authoritarian. They've got that democratic element to them. And, you know, each one has their own strengths and weaknesses, but neither one is better than the other one. And that's something that's been in my head. I swear to God, I swear on my life, right, since I was about seven, eight, nine, a young age, I've dreamt about it every day. I have thousands upon thousands of drawings I've done. And these drawings are not drawings in the traditional sense. They're blueprints of weapon systems, bases, planets, aircraft, spacecraft, tanks, vehicles, body armor that I've drawn for each respective nation in this world. And I thought about how these nations came to be. Hold on, I want to get a bite of the cheesecake. It looks lovely. Mm, it is lovely it's like um vanilla and chocolate it's very nice mm. wow you're lucky you get asmr and me waffling at the same time mm, this is delicious right where was i oh yes the way these nations were built the culture the culture behind them i have taken a anti-colonial perspective on this because a lot of like you know world building fantasies about humanity in space are kind of fascistic in nature take warhammer 40k for example not saying that you know i don't i'm not accusing of being a fascist thing or fascist thing to like i'm just saying like very clearly warhammer 40k is inspired by fascist elements that's all right you know it's the inspiration for this material it's very grim very dark very authoritarian imperialism blah 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 even things like Star Wars, you know, clear fascist inspiration. What else is there? I don't know any other really sci-fi universe, I can't lie. But my one, right, 
my I have progressive delusions. My delusions are very progressive. I think about how different nations would have collaborated to build these initial colonies and how that would affect the makeup of these colonies. The most far out colonies in my head were the nations that were, you know, the slowest to get into the colonizing process. And that would be the less developed nations, the global south. These are the ones that built that far away nation, that confederacy of slightly democratic socialist systems compared to the, you know, the less democratic authoritarian systems that are closer to earth. Those would have been done by the West or other wealthy countries like China. Mm. But that's not the point of what I'm trying to talk about today. That was just my little introduction, right? Four minute introduction. You know how it is. I've been thinking a lot about the middle ground in politics. Somewhere where you satisfy everyone involved. And then I realised over the past few decades... The media has been doing their best to make there be no middle ground. You are no longer satisfied by anything because you have been taught that no matter what happens, there could be better. And that's true, there could be better. But you should not accept any compromise. Compromise is bad. You're either left wing or right wing. And if one side gets something, that means you don't get what you want. And therefore, they are wrong and you must be right. And you must do something to do something about that. And it's this little cycle of, you know, hating, protesting policy every 10 years we swap governments that sort of thing right and i realized this system is so incredibly stupid and it is so incredibly manipulated by a very powerful group of people you know the the ultra wealthy elites people who own the corporations i'm not talking about this in an abstract ah oh, the billionaires own everything where i'm talking about this in a there are people who own corporations and these corporations own other corporations to the extent that only a few mega corporations control most of the trade in this world not the nations and therefore not the people but corporations and corporations are tied to a very small group of individuals why did we ever think that after colonialism ended the replacement that we needed was corporatism this was not what we need as a replacement what we need is a nation to become the corporation i'm not saying that we adopt capitalism on a government basis i'm saying that the profits of trade don't go to corporations it goes to the nation and therefore if it goes to the nation it goes to the people and this is a whole process you can't do this overnight because a conservative government receiving all of this profit from trade isn't going to pass that down to the people you need a lot of series of progressive steps to get to the stage where the nation will trickle down oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to say trickle down that's not what i meant i'm not a reaganist i'm not a reaganomic guy i'm not a thatcherite not trickle down more so redistribute you know the redistribution of wealth that's what it's all about people who aren't left-wing love the redistribution of wealth but they have no idea that they love it you float the idea of oh imagine if the british empire back then you know they were bringing back all of the wealth from india and that made us so rich you tell that to some bloke in a pub right he'll fucking love it all right you tell him now about you know different phrases you don't say extracting wealth from india you say extracting wealth from corporations and suddenly he's against it for what god knows why well we know why because he's stupid stupidity is an illness and it can be cured with a bullet or education choose one i recommend education because violence is never the answer mm. what a lovely cheesecake it's like got chocolate biscuits you know like the base of a cheesecake is a biscuit this is chocolatey i think it's been soaked in some sort of syrup as well it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm.
One moment, please. Wow. So then I was thinking as well, you know, that's conservatism and why conservatism won't work with this ideal future that I built in my head. So then I started thinking, okay, I've analysed one side. Let me not be biased. Let me see why the left wing's take on things won't work. So I started looking towards the ideal revolution that we see in the Marxist uh, philosophy and the dictatorship of the proletariat. And on paper, the dictatorship of the proletariat makes so much sense because, you know, it's a vanguard. It's something that's an in-between. You're protecting the revolution by having this dictatorship of the proletariat. But then let's look at all of the previous attempts at this. And that dictatorship of the proletariat never really made it out of the dictatorship of the proletariat. Redistribution never happens again because people get insanely wealthy. People realize that authority is what commands everything. And then they become addicted to authority because they are now addicted to authority. And the Marxist philosophy never drew out how to manage a country with just authority alone. They take it off a branch and you get more and more authoritarian and more extreme. And you lose the leftist elements, leftist elements, sorry. And you get things like, you know, Stalinism. You know, like, I'm not a fan of Stalinism. Tankies can say what they want, but I've never seen a tanky in a university class. So, like, I said something about them. You know what I'm saying? They're a bit stupid in a country where you can get education for almost free. Not free, of course. Student loans are a pain, but it's basically free. Not at all. Do not fucking argue with me about student loans right now. If anyone comes to my DMs telling me, actually, they're not free because you have to pay them off after 30 years, fuck off, all right? I'm not entertaining that little chat with you. It's basically free money, man. Get over it. Like, if you were the next year of student loan doers, you're fucked because the limits increase, decades have increased, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, fair enough. You can argue with me. But I'm not in that group, all right? I got it good compared to you. So don't argue with me, okay? Thank you. Revolution is inherently very bloody. We love to think that we're going to have bloodless revolutions, but bloodless revolutions, where we've seen them happen before, only really work because the government's already given up and was going to collapse anyways, right? So it's not really revolution. It's more so the equivalent of, oh, let's go gatecrash this party, right? Like, um, let's say there's two like really lonely boring guys and they're like oh these guys are losers and they're like yeah let's let let's gate crash this party it'll be so funny we'll violate them and they go to some party and they think they gate crashed it but they haven't gate crashed it right because the doors but open everybody's going to this party it's like an open invite thing they all rock up and they think they gate crashed it and they talk about it like it was something some huge scandalous thing that they did they didn't do any gate crashing they just went to the party that's how I see bloodless revolutions, you know. It's just a time of social unrest. There is no cause in a bloodless revolution. It's just how everyone else is feeling at the same time. It's not a revolution then. And then a bloody revolution. God, I don't like those. Westerners who think that they should have a bloody revolution in their countries are fucking stupid, right? And you know this because it's been too long since they've had a bloody revolution in their country. Why are you, as a French person talking about burning down streets, killing politicians and all of this stuff. To be fair, killing politicians, sometimes all right. MI6, hi, I mean, I'll fire a gun without asking a question. But to be fair, right? Like, I get it sometimes. But why would you want so much nonsensical violence in your 
established country where you can make a living, you have running water, you have electricity, you have everything you need to live. You just want to get something, you know, more administrative. You want to get something more bourgeois of it, if that makes sense. You want to make a higher minimum wage. I understand it if you are literally struggling and you are struggling to feed yourself. But to go from, oh, student loans are kind of bad. And then to decide, therefore, we need to have a bloody armed revolution of the proletariat. That's kind of unhinged. And I don't think I understand truly what revolution means. Ask anyone from a country in the global south about revolution. A country that has faced decolonization. Ask them what does it mean to have revolution. And they'll explain to you very nicely. It means that your family is torn apart. You lose family members. An entire side of your family no one talks about anymore. Because no one knows where they went. That's what revolution is. To me. So I'm from Bangladesh. If I ask my father what does revolution mean. It means the year he was born. And having to hide in places so that when the the fucking government comes to the house to see who's there they don't see the young boys and they don't kill the young boys because they're actively partaking in a genocide against what they deem to be revolutionary bengalis right that's what revolution is to my father revolution to me is killing fields in bangladesh entire rice paddies get dug up and they find hundreds of bodies skeletons to this day every now and then that is what revolution does. It is not a nice thing. It's not a pretty thing. Don't glorify such a bloodshed. There's no glory in that sort of behavior. Especially in a country like the West. Not the West, like, not a country, sorry. A region, a geopolitical region. I think the West is a piss take. It is like seeing a really rich kid decide to pursue that gangster life. Now, why are you, as a person from a privileged background, trying to go out and act like you're so oppressed, you're so tough, you go out with a knife in your pocket like this kid, right? That's what the West does sometimes. That's what certain Westerners do sometimes. You are not oppressed. You are the oppressor, okay? Accept this. If you want to see change, get into power in a sensible way and stop going to war in Middle Eastern countries. That would do you and the rest of the world a lot of good. The revolution should be global, not within the West. Western countries can't be trusted with all that power. So what do we do instead, right? Can't do revolution. Can't do conservatism and all that nationalism. What is the alternative? Well, to be true with you, I don't know. I don't really prescribe myself to any ideology. I tackle problems based on what I know in my head and what I think would be logical and rational and empathetic. That's the most important element. Because I understand, as someone who has strong family values, right, the last thing the average person wants is their families to be torn apart by politics. That's how you create a terrorist, right? If you go to war in a country and you kill all these fathers and mothers, the kids are going to grow up very resentful of what you did. And they might just fly planes into your skyscrapers. So don't do that. I think pragmatism is one of the most important things in any form of state building, state running, governance, anything at all. You need to make a decision based on every piece of information you have available to you with respect to every single parameter to tackle that problem. You can't just tackle problems based on some preset manifesto that you agreed upon from a guy who wrote it 
decades ago, or even hundreds of years ago. No, that doesn't make sense. Don't do that. The world is continuously changing. Tackle every problem as if it is continuously changing. Some things do have, you know, methods that work and will continue to work and are proven methods to work. In certain cases, it's fine to use old methods, but in other cases, you need to get a little bit bureaucratic with it. You need to understand that sometimes you've got to make decisions based on nothing that you already know. you got to do the research. You've got to figure out what's best for the people what saves as many lives as possible or what doesn't need as many lives lost as possible. It's a sort of calculation, I suppose, which sounds so inhumane and people want to make it sound inhumane, but it's really not. You're choosing something that is better for everybody. You're not choosing any particular group in general, which is what these political parties do. They choose either one group or another group and sure, some might argue, oh, well, it's better to support the party that supports the biggest group. But you're still alienating a group. If you're alienating a group, that group will just fester hatred and, you know, do their best to undo everything that you've done as progress. You need to, unfortunately, get every single group involved. There are certain few people that you can sort of neglect, you know, that ultra, ultra wealthy. They don't really have the capacity to organize themselves in the thousands, hundreds of thousands, because there's only like 12 of them. They simply have the corporations and the media. You control those, you control them. So what does that suggest about my beliefs? Is it a little bit authoritarian? Sure. Is that a bad thing? I don't see why it would be a bad thing. Authoritarianism does not automatically mean you're living in 1984 and everyone's watching at all times. Authoritarianism can simply mean you have strong controls from the top on the people who, you know, might want to subvert the power in the country or in the nation, or in the people. It would be authoritarian, for example, for a government to have the ability to capture a corporation and to nationalise it, or to completely bar it from certain activities. This could be considered authoritarian, and yet, in my opinion, there is nothing wrong with that. If a corporation is being proven to be you know, incompatible with the nation's operations, or it's being too hostile to the people, it should be seized by the government. And it should be redistributed. The wealth should be redistributed to the people. Yet we think that the opposite means freedom. Who is free when things are privatised? Who is No one's free when things are privatised. In fact, you could argue that people are more oppressed when things are privatised. Nationalising as much as possible, that is freedom for the people. That is receiving wealth from what you have, you know, really deserve. This cheesecake is so good. I don't believe in things like surveillance, you know, I don't think that ever works, I mean of course it works, but I don't think it works for a nation, you can't be a nation with values and have surveillance, unless you consider authoritarianism your value, in certain settings sure, maybe in the public settings should be surveyed, but in a private setting, in your own household, there's no reason I fucking microphones tapped in at all times to listen to your conversations, which they're doing right now, by the way. GCHQ is probably listening to this podcast right now with us. Um, little intern at GCHQ, you would love this cheesecake. It's from that brand. It's like, you know, G, like the letter G, and then the, the German U. U umlauts. U with two dots above it. Gu, is that what they call the brand? I don't know. Get that. It's nice. It's good for your job. Hmm. 
I'm nearly done. Hold on. Yeah. A happy middle ground. The middle ground will not be happy because there's no way to have a happy outcome for everybody. But you can reach an outcome that's logical, reasonable, meets as many goals as possible, affects as little people as possible. You don't want to make decisions on behalf of everyone. You just want to make decisions that better off everyone. You don't want to ruin lives. Make lives better if you can. I made it sound so simple, but it's not obviously. Governments like that. And this isn't really a serious political anything. It's just me waffling about stuff. But give it some thoughts and think about what you support. You know, if there's one important takeaway, it's that you shouldn't support political violence ever. It ruins nations. Talk with anyone from the global south and they will tell you that the last thing they want is to get involved in political violence. We've had enough of that already. The West hasn't, which is why they're so hell-bent on making some. There is, it's okay to miss out on some things, you know. Political violence, you don't need to have that. Not here, not anywhere. That's my final message. Goodbye.